0: Say to us, Father, speak to us today in Jesus' name, Amen. Morning, church. Nice to see you this morning, James. Thanks, mate, for putting this here. I really appreciate that. Usually, I gotta, you know, move it myself, but. Thank you, I appreciate it, thanks Um, If you're visiting with us this morning Let me extend to you a very, very warm welcome In the name of our Lord And also brothers and sisters here at Blackheath It's just nice to see you And trust that you'll leave here Sensing that God has touched your life And spoken into your heart And into your experience Um, You know, as I thought about today and prayed about today and sat with the Lord regarding today, um, I guess I just wanted to say this to you. You know, sometimes we we come to worship and unfortunately we do bring with us our cares and our worries and anxieties, uh, whatever they may be. And sometimes they're the things that rob us from our worship, you know. Uh, we, we stand to worship, our heart is there, and then all of a sudden it's like our minds get seeded with all these different other things. Do you ever experience that? I know I do. And yet I really firmly believe the Lord Jesus is saying to us this morning, to each one of us this morning, look at me, not me, look at him. Today we start a, a seven-week journey which is entitled, The Seven Words from the Cross. And each week we'll be looking at one of those seven words that Jesus spoke from the cross. I guess what I'd like for you to do is this, is not so much sit there and listen to me, but rather come on a journey with me, And that every Sunday morning I want us to stand with the crowd at the foot of the cross. We've heard so much about the cross and it's the power of God under salvation. And you and I are sitting here this morning because we heard this wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and then when we heard it, the Holy Spirit caused it to come alive in us. It is the power of God to salvation. And some of us have walked in the grace of God for so many years. The cross still touches our heart, but I I want you to come on a journey with me. I want you to come and stand at the foot of the cross and not see it as something that took place 2,000 plus years ago. But something that is real, that is dynamic, that is alive today. And still has a powerful, unbelievable effect upon us all. And upon this world in which we live. I want to encourage you to come with me and stand, and if we dare, if we can even lift our eyes to gaze upon our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to journey with me? You want to be there with me? It'll break your heart. It'll tear you up on the inside. This is not a fun sermon, but boy is it filled with hope. Your heart will be broken. It must be broken. We can't come here today and journey over this next 7 weeks without having our hearts broken and yet having our hearts filled with hope and anticipation and faith. And so, Father, this morning, you who know our hearts so well, you who know us so well, and yet you love us and call us your children, your sons and your daughters, we come to you this morning. And we ask, Lord, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that you will exalt and lift up the person and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And our hearts will be moved to follow Him to love Him and to serve Him and to know Him. I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would renew us and revive us and that we, by your grace, will walk out of this building chain. I pray, O God, that such shall be Your presence amongst us this morning. That hell itself will shake and tremble. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would honor You this morning. We ask this, Pray this in your most glorious name. Amen. Seven words from the cross. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. You know, the last words of a dying person... Normally, never forgotten. Some enter eternity without even saying a word, while others utter sentiments that disclose their values, that disclose their priorities, their innermost thoughts, of their hearts. For example, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, his last words were Jesus died for me. And John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said, The best of all is, God is with us. My mum, although not famous by any means in anyone else's eyes, but the Lord himself and us, her family, her last words were, Oh. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Higher. Higher. As the Lord took her. Now contrast those words of faith with the final words of some other persons of history. For example, on her deathbed, Queen Elizabeth I, her last words were, All my possessions For one more moment. Humphrey Bogart's last words were. I should have never switched. From scotch to martinis. Karl Marx. Turned to his housekeeper. Who had urged him to tell her. His last words. So he could write them down. And shouted to her. Go on, get out. Last words are for fools who haven't said enough. And Jesus, unquestionably, the most, and I looked for another word and couldn't find it. So bear with me. When I call him famous, when my heart breaks because I can't find a word, to describe all who he is, but still the most famous person in history during the last six hours of his life and somewhere between earth and heaven and enduring unimaginable suffering, spoke seven statements That when we take the time to reflect on, show us the depth and the richness of His Spirit. The Apostle Paul wrote, For the word of the cross. And this is what I'm preaching this morning. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. The wisdom of the world. For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand a, demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach. Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us
1: who are being
0: saved, it is the power of God. And how true that word is. We know as we spend time in our workplaces and in the world and as we meet others in the world who don't know Christ, we know that the word, the gospel, is folly to them. They think we're loopy. And I suppose if they were to look at me, they would probably be right. But they think you're loopy as well. They don't understand this message of God. It's folly to them. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To ask a Gentile to believe in a Savior who had been crucified was absolutely foolishness. Crucifixion was seen as obscene. And no one spoke of it. If you had a relative who had been crucified for his crimes you would be ashamed to mention it. You would dare not say anything about it. And yet a crucified Savior was unheard of. It was foolishness to the wisdom of the Gentiles. And brothers and sisters, it's the same today. It's foolishness. To those in our world who are perishing, it's utterly ridiculous to think that Christ, although affirmed as living in history, was anything other than a man and not a savior of the world. It was a stumbling block to Jews who looked for a kingly messiah, not someone who was a crucified commoner. Crucifixion was a form of torture that literally knocked the breath out of the victim. Suspended by their arms, Those arms soon became fatigued. Great waves of cramp swept over muscles, knotting them in deep, relentless, throbbing pain. With these cramps came the inability to push upwards. Suspended on the cross, Seven to nine inch iron stakes driven through the wrists and then driven through the ankles with the legs at a roughly 45 degree angle and the person hanging there. It became almost impossible to push upwards. Arms. Hanging, The pectoral muscles, the large muscles in the chest were paralyzed. And the intercostal muscles, those small muscles between the ribs, were unable to act. Air could be drawn in, but it could not be exhaled. And Jesus fought to raise himself up in order to get a short breath, keeping in mind of the flogging, the scourging that took place and already now this loss of blood. And so finally the carbon dioxide level increases in the lungs and in the bloodstream and the cramps. Are partially subsided. Crucifixion first came by the Persians, but it was the Romans who really tweaked it. It was designed for maximum pain with minimal blood loss, thereby extending the pain and the suffering by days. Crucifixion, in fact, we get the word excruciating from the crucifixion. The Latin word excruciatus means out of the cross. So the next time I use the word, this back pain of mine is excruciating, I will know it came nowhere near what Christ suffered. Out of the cross and in order for you and I to understand the obscenity and the shame of the crucifixion and to know the depths of the love of our Savior, we need to understand these horrors which he willingly submitted himself to. And you see, Jesus not only suffered physically not only was he ridiculed and made fun of but he also at that time was content contending against satan and the forces of hell as he hung there psalm 22 Why don't I go forwards? Aren't you glad I'm not driving a car? Psalm 22 is really a prophetic psalm that points us to the crucifixion. And here the psalmist talks about many bulls surrounding me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. These verses seem to point out a place where where these bulls are gathering, these lions are gathering around the cross. You and I know that there were no bulls and lions to be seen by the physical eye but these verses have a much deeper meaning Bashan was an area to the east of the Jordan River which was famous for its fertility there cattle were raised which grew to be enormous apparently and the people there worshipped Demon spirits associated with Baal within the cattle. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan. And of course, Peter describes Satan as a, a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. And these verses appear to suggest to me anyway, the incredible spiritual activity of Satan and the demons celebrating as Jesus was suffering on the cross. So not only was there this physical torment and agony and the ridicule and the laughter of those um, who uh, had crucified him, but now we find also that Satan and the demons of hell are having their bit as well. And as Jesus hung upon that cross in excruciating agony, taunted, mocked, ridiculed by those drawn to this obscene spectacle and being attacked by Satan and the demons of hell and straining for every breath, He made seven great statements. First, the word of forgiveness. Father, Now I want you to see, are you standing there? Stand with me. Stand with me at the cross. Watch him take the breath, lift himself up. The excruciating pain because these stakes have gone through the petrol nerve system here. And so the pain just comes like a jolt of lightning into his body. And yet he lifts himself up and looks down upon those. Who have driven the stakes into his, into his hands and to his feet and into those, uh, and upon those, the, the chief priest as he stands there with all of his entrenage. and the Romans who are there now dividing his garments those who have whipped him to so there's hardly any skin left on his body and there he lifts himself up uh, we know seven times and maybe more and he lifts himself up and the first statement that he gasped out his father forgive me. And then the word of assurance to the dying thief. I assure you, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And then the word of love to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And then from noon until 3 p.m. when darkness came upon the land and this was not a physical darkness by any means. This is the darkness that is described in Isaiah that talks about the people living and walking in darkness have seen a great light. This is a spiritual darkness. Of course seen in the physical, but it's every bit as dark spiritual. As Christ now long can no longer sense and see his Father. My God, this word of substitution. These, my brothers and sisters, are the words that you and I should be uttering on the day of judgment. But because of Jesus, we will not have to utter these. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then followed by this word of humanity. Jesus, the God-man, I first. Followed by the word of victory. It is finished. And finally, as death's dark shadow began to embrace Him. The word of trust. When I come to preach that word on Good Friday morning, I'll tell you something. Out of Psalm 37, this was like something that you and I tell our children when we first teach them to pray. When we say to our children, now I lay me down to sleep pray the lord my soul to keep this word out of psalm 37 would have been taught to jesus by his mother just before he went to sleep and here you see jesus hanging on to his father into your hands. Just like he did when he was a child. What love he has for us brothers and sisters. And he's left with us with these seven statements if we but sit with them and reflect on them and on him. I want to tell you You'll have an Easter like you've never had before. This will not be about Easter eggs and hot cross buns. This will be about renewal and revival for you. And your love for Him. And today, very quickly now, I felt it was necessary, guys, for for me to spend time on the cross because sometimes we just hit the cross and we just go straight to Easter Sunday and why not? (laughs) Nevertheless, we can't appreciate Easter Sunday unless we stand at the cross and we look at the cross. And so today we'll look at the first of these sayings that Jesus prayed. He intercedes for you and I. So, let's just quickly then. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him with the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Two others Both criminals were led out to be executed. And you heard me say that, you know, crucifixion was for the worst of the worst of the worst. So we're talking not about petty crime here. We're talking about criminals were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. But they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes. Are you there? Are you sitting at the foot of the cross? Are you watching this? Take it in. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes, throwing dice. And the crowd watched. Are we watching? And the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself. He's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers mocked him too by offering him a a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the son of, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the sign was fastened to the cross above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. (laughs) You're the Messiah. He's lifting himself up as well just to get this out, to to spit this out. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself. And as if to take a breath, and in Scripture, that see that hyphen there? That's on there on purpose. It's like, and us too, while you're at it. The other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die? Are you hearing that? Are you there? Are you hearing this conversation take place? And Jesus in the middle. We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. And by this time it was noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. the light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands and with those words He breathed His last. You know, the Bible tells us that sin renders people spiritually dead. It alienates people from God and from one another. It causes misery and dissatisfaction and guilt. Sin is the common denominator of every crime, every theft every lie, every murder, every act of immorality and, and, and the complete sorrow of mankind. The only solution is forgiveness. And the only source of forgiveness is Jesus Christ. In Him, Paul says, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the richest, of God's grace that He lavished on us. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. And the tense of this original text is continuous, indicating that this wasn't just something Jesus said once, but He said it several times. And as He was laid on the cross, and they nailed those spikes through Him, He prayed, Father, forgive them. And as they um, raised that cross and let it fall violently into the hole that was dug for it, uh, he cried out, Father, forgive them. And as he hung there, suspended between heaven and earth, he prayed, Father, forgive them. Peter, looking back, on the scene because he was there at a distance. And Peter wrote, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He could have prayed, Father, judge He could have prayed, Father, send the armies of heaven to obliterate them. He could have prayed a number of things, but instead he prayed, Father, forgive them. Luke says they nailed him to a cross. Who nailed. Who crucified him? I'll tell you who crucified him. I do. I'm sorry, but I crucified him. And you also crucified. And they did. And all those gathered around the cross. They all crucified. We all crucified. them. you remember the old spiritual Negro song, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Well, I reckon they should change it to, Were you there when we crucified our Lord? Every one of us here this morning, I'm sorry, every one of us are equally guilty. Again, take a moment, take in the scene. What do you see? I see people, you and I, so blinded by evil, so corrupted by sin, that it reacted violently to the purity and the holiness of God. I see people swept along by the power of Satan in seeking to destroy the Lord of Glory. Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. But they did it. We did it all the same. It's almost like we see those reports on television, like there was one just the other night of a brawl down in the harbour area. And there were so many people involved in this brawl. It seems like that when blood starts to flow, people lose control. And that which is right and good and proper to do is just forgotten for the sake of laying a boot in or doing whatever needs to be done in violence. And this is exactly what happened here. Now, this would seem an odd Prayer for Jesus to pray, wouldn't it? Usually, when we plead a case for someone, we're pleading a case for someone who is innocent. But in this case, Jesus is pleading a case for people, you and I, who are guilty. He argued. Pray for God to forgive them. Why? Why? Because Jesus already knew the answer to the prayer. And the answer to his prayer was the cross. How could God forgive? Well, the cross was the answer. Listen to what John writes. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Who crucified our Lord? We did. You and me, along with all of mankind, crucified the Lord of glory. But who did Jesus die for? That's right. He died for you and me. And He died for all of mankind. So then the answer to this prayer is available to everyone who will accept it. And I'm finishing here. For everyone, Paul says, has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life. Shedding. His blood. You know, you and I live in days of God's grace and of His mercy. Judgment for the present has been postponed. You and I, this morning, have been forgiven because Jesus carried your sins and my sins on Himself and the sins of all mankind. Now, brothers and sisters, I can't find any words to be able to explain that. I can tell you what it meant for Him physically to suffer. I can even uh, draw to your attention the spiritual activity around the cross at that time. But I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I cannot even begin, I cannot even begin to understand what it meant for Christ to carry your sin and my sin. I can sing about it, I can read poetry about it, I can read the Word of God, but I don't understand And I never will until, and you will never, until we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ in glory and we see His hands and His feet and we know in our hearts for sure what it meant for Him. I can't tell you that. Because I know miserable sinner I am. Apart from Jesus. Apart from the grace of God. a God so loved the world. So loved you and me. Oh, the wonder of the cross we sang. May we never May we never, God forbid, that we never lose the wonder of the cross. Peter wrote this. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. Once you and I were like sheep who wandered away but now we have turned again to our shepherd the guardian so, Father God, what do we say to you? For such a great salvation that you have given to each one of us, by your grace, by faith alone, not by anything we could ever do, you have saved us through the most precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. It almost seems trite Thank you.